Welcome to part three of Planet Nakaris. My name is Michael Yon, and here Kentakis continues to share about Nakaris. They have technology that um, you can either do it seriously or you can do it for fun, where you can project your thoughts and you can create your thoughts um, in this designated area. It's, it's called an entertainment funhouse where you actually can stand and you've got these controls and you put your face into a mask. And that mask is connected um, by Wi-Fi into this mass computer. And then you start thinking with your eyes open. And after a little period of time, you can manifest your thoughts right in front on this designated platform. And they can't leave the platform, but that's how you have fun. And, and they go there and they create all these images. You might want to climb mountains. Now the Nakarons are very much into being mountain climbers. Mm. And they have some of the tallest mountains. They have, a, they have mountains that are at least three times the size of Mount Everest. Not just in height, but in width. So they climb it without ropes, without any devices, because they can literally hold with one hand their entire body weight for a very long period of time. They're like they're like chimps, you know, like monkeys. They have that the ligaments are so strong. And that's you don't see you don't look at a chimp or a baboon and say, geez, you look muscular. Yet they can hold themselves up there for a long periods of time. And that's because they have a very strong ligament system. Maybe this, this is a good time to lead into the medical system. Let's say that uh, an Akaran was climbing, that was climbing and injured him or herself and was so injured. What would be the process like? Is, is it telepathic that they would say, hey, send someone to, to fly me back to a medical center? Or how does what would happen? No, what happens there is um, they have thought consciousness, right? And if the, if the one is awake, then that's okay. But if, if that being is not awake, they've been injured to a point of blackout. Um, if there is another one with them, which is always the case, they literally can either ring or they can literally um, transfer through thought energy to another person to make that call or directly, and what comes out is a, is a hummer. It's like an ambulance, and the hummer's quite large, and it, it will be there within, within moments once it's made the call. And what they do is they take the being in the back, and it's not just lifted up. They don't do that. It's an energy that is formed around them, which levitates them up and into the back of the Hummer. If sometimes it's a very serious situation, they can literally dematerialize the body and rematerialize it at a specific place where they attend to emergencies. They don't have hospitals as we do. You don't have cancer patients. You don't have people who have suffered heart attacks, bowel cancer, you know, strokes, all those diseases that we as humans seem to be, I suppose, stuck with. 
because we believe it. They have a system of small little medical centres, but they are equipped so well that they could literally bring you in. And say you had a broken leg or two broken legs and a broken arm, even a fractured neck. They'll put you onto this machine, like laying you down, and within this structure, it's, it's shaped like a body. It literally, a beam of colored lights go all the way through from the head right down the fingers to the toes. Then it can actually change its cycle and send these other beams of energy and create a field around you and encase you. And within that field is living energy that's been programmed to heal fractures, to knit broken bones. And you literally can see it being knitted because it literally makes your body transparent. If you've hurt, like, say, a leaking uh, valve or, or, or you've, you've, you've damaged your kidneys, it will repair your kidneys and it will literally even dilute by dissipation any blood that has leaked from your body internally into your system anywhere. It gets rid of that. It literally cleanses your body. That's how sophisticated their technology is when it comes to healing a body. Wow. That makes me wonder, well, what about people that are getting older and older in age? Uh, what's like the age generally that they get to? Yeah, they can live up to um, anything up to 400 years if you look at physical life here on planet Earth, even longer. Um, they've been known to live nearly 500 years if we equal that time factor to Earth. Now, as a being gets older, it's not like here. We don't get aches and pains. It's very rare. We can go into a place and stand and this in this like a room and it literally puts this energy field all around us and it cleanses out any toxins that we may have in the body. Crystallization, anything or heavy metals, which is a rare thing. And it helps us feel good within our bodies. But because we have such a fantastic diet on Nakaris, we don't seem to suffer the same ailments that humanity suffers constantly. Because we're taught that hospitals are a necessity. We're taught that as you get older, you'll go blind. You'll, you'll lose your sight eventually. You'll lose your hair. Um, your muscles will deteriorate and you'll have flabby arms you'll become um, less active, you won't be able to move very well or stretch. So if we're taught all these things and we're told every, every year that we're getting older because, you know, we're now 49, we're now 59, we live to age and we grow old to age and we die to age. The Charons are not taught that. They train right up until the day they basically leave. And the interesting thing about... <laughs> This is a touchy subject, and it'd be very touchy here on Earth. They believe in euthanasia, always have. They believe individuality is the only choice. No one makes a choice for another. Even a child, if a child is, say, terribly sick and is in pain all the time, which they're not, but if they are, 
they can choose to say, I wish to leave. And how they leave is a ceremony through dissipation. They don't have their memories destroyed because they come back by reincarnation. But their bodies are dissipated into a nothingness, returned to the pool of life. They call it the pool of life. And that's the same thing with people that are dying of old age, aren't they? It's not like they're buried. No, there's no burying. They all go through dissipation, vaporization, if you want to call it another word. And a lot of the times, the family are there watching in these chambers. And they do all their goodbyes and everything like that. Um, and then they walk into this chamber. Now, some can stand. Some can sit if they're not capable of standing. They know they're going to be reborn. They know there's no pain. So they have no fear of death. And when they sit there or stand there, they just look at you and smile. And what you see is this energy field literally breaking down the atomic structure in a different format than what I explained in my book called The Dream Assassin, Volume 1 and 2. Sounds a bit um, negative the way I've described it, but I've done that because of justice, where the guilty person feels the same pain what they've caused upon others. Well, on Nakaris, they can actually do that sometimes. If they ever had a serial killer, they would literally make them feel the pain that they imposed upon their victims. So they learned the lesson never to do that again. That is justice. That's real justice. Not being stuck in a prison for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and come out and do it again. Or for the rest of their life. Wasting all the money, the taxpayer's money. It doesn't make sense. I'm sure when even these old people die, they're so conscious of themselves beyond the body the process is quite beautiful. They're happy. Um, yeah, I just realized, I don't think I asked you, do all of these beings on Nakaris, are they all trained in astral travel as well? Um, never. They never refer to anything called astral travel. They call it spirit, spiritual world. They spirit world, they call it. Um, they call it life after or whatever they may call it. But um, they have the vibration. It's just like planet Earth. On planet Earth, there is um, the astral world, and there are many levels within the astral world, as we discussed. There's very lower levels where the real ugly and the mean and the murderers, the rapists, they all go there because they don't have much when it comes to thought consciousness. And then you have to elevate yourself through the knowing to understand what you've done wrong and then to grow beyond it so you can step up on the ladders and eventually you go through the light where they don't have that system. What they do have, because of their consciousness, they have their physical world, they have their spiritual world. And when you go into the spiritual world, there's always those ready to help you. And it doesn't take long to go through what they call the light. We call it the light. And even like while they're living, they can, like, like what you do, when you go to bed, your body falls asleep and then you're out of body for many adventures do they do that too is that a big thing for yes them? yes oh very big thing very big thing for the nakarons very big thing um their spiritual life to them is very very important their knowing and awareness is priority they believe that through growth you excel right they don't believe in ego whatsoever 
sometimes ego can linger a little, but it's actually a rare thing. See, ego on the planet here was created by humanity's emotions, the negative emotions, because we didn't know how to control them. So we created um, a being called ego so we can blame ego. Oh, it's his ego. Oh, it's a her ego. We've lost responsibility for our actions. We need to learn to let go of the ego and our emotions and become feeling beings. Wow. So, Kentakis, you've expressed a fair bit about the spirituality of Nicarons. I was just wondering, what's it like in comparison to us, where on earth we have several religions and many ideas of God? How do they see religion and God? This is going to be a very controversial um, answer, but I ask, I ask that the uh, listeners please respect the answer that I'm about to give because the Nakarons are a totally separate race of beings that live a very long way away from here and have been around for, as I say, 27 million years of evolution they have never had a religion, ever. They have always believed that there is a substance called living energy. They've always known that this energy is everything, and everything is living energy. They also learned to understand through the deaf process that everything gets returned back to the earth. And originally, they used to bury Nakarons. And they realized through the deaf procedure, there were those that had enlightened visions because they were different in their thinking. And this helped the Nakarons gain a much deeper understanding of life and death. And it's like saying... If you want to understand life, then you must understand death. And if you want to understand death, then it is natural that you learn to understand life first. The two come hand in hand. In truth, there is no such thing as death. The only reason we believe death exists is because of all the wars that we've created as humanity through nearly the last one million years. Over 17 to 19 billion humans have been slaughtered from men, women and children in that time. So you can understand why they don't really fully understand life nor death. The Nakarans believe one thing. Where there is life, there is living energy. And living energy exists within every facet of their evolution. And that is the reason why they have created their technology in such an advancement over that period of time. But when it comes to religion, they have a spiritual belief. They call it clung. And that spiritual belief 
is based on two factors. Sorry, can you say that? You said they call it, they call it clunk. They, no, it's not clunk. It's called clunk. It's a strange um, name for, for, say, us as uh, humans to actually probably understand. But to them, it's a very simple term. But anyway, their spiritual belief is based on two factors. First, it's based on our level of thinking. Second, it's based on the unseen world. And that's what they call their spiritual belief. But their spiritual belief changed dramatically when Yarkas Cardas came to them. Secretly to begin with, and eventually revealing himself and doing talks because he created himself through atomic down structure in his in his cellular structure to recreate himself as an Akaron so he would be accepted. They learned to understand his philosophy and they became so keen to want to listen to every single word he had to say. And he spoke about life itself, about death, about the entire universe and how the universe became what it is today. He spoke about the different civilizations that exist. The Nakarons believed that this being was a much higher entity when it came to conscious understanding. They never looked upon him as a god because the word god to them has never existed. They believed that he was a being of light that came to them to give them the understanding to grow beyond what they are at that moment. And they took it on. And they changed their evolution very quickly. Even their technology grew very quickly. So if you're looking at a religion, there's none. It's simply knowing the physical and knowing the spiritual. It's like saying duality, the physical and the spirit classed as duality. You put the two together and you've got human life or life itself. So, Kentakis, I can't believe we've got this far along without mentioning what language they speak because many people would have heard of this language. Would you like to tell us about the history of the language that the Nakarons speak? Okay. The Nakarons have only ever spoke one language and... It's not that the language has evolved over the last 27 million. It's, it's their original language, and it's also universal in many of the cultures from other worlds, and it's called Sanskrit. The reason it's called Sanskrit is because on this earth, they also have a language called Sanskrit, but it's not the original language from Nakaras. It's a hybrid, and from the language Sanskrit on this earth, all languages have been created from it. Every single language has 
been created originally first from Sanskrit. And that's because that's because they were the eighty seven thousand were placed here nine hundred and twenty eight thousand years ago. That's how it started, right? That is correct. And the locals that were living here at the time, being the Neanderthals, never really had a proper language. They knew how to communicate, but it wasn't an actual proper language. And they learned over time, and also because of mating, they learned the language very well. But as they travelled the earth over, um, say, the next 270,000 years or 245,000 years, they experienced a lot of transformation through intermingling with the locals and eventually learning how to build massive ships and travel the globe. And that's how they came across right down the track with Atlantis. And that's another subject. Yeah, that that ties in, but is, yeah, for another time, for sure. Mm. Yeah, wow. But their language is a, is a really, really interesting language where you can say a couple of words and it could meet a whole sentence in English. I'll just say this also. There are a lot of other worlds, like, for instance, Cadiz race, they have learned to adapt the Nicaran language very well because of their dealings with Nicaras. Because their original language isn't Sanskrit? No, no, it's not. It's their own. It was like um, a knitting, beeping type communication. And there wouldn't be many people who would be able to dissect it all or try to understand it because it was one of the most very, very unusual languages because naturally they evolved from different forms of insects. Did they now? Cadiz race? Mm. Or bugs, you know? I'm talking um, several billion years of evolution. So you would say the same about the Muhas, which we know as the greys. That's right. The Muhas also communicate in their own language, but they're very much into body language. They communicate, the Muhas that is, they communicate with a lot of body language. And they've learned over, I suppose, their evolution just by the movement of hands and the way they twist the body, they're literally communicating with each other. And when the Nakarons first met them, they found it very difficult to communicate. And the Nakarons used to try and move their bodies to suit the way the Muhas were. And there was a lot of laughter going on because it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Looked like some these Nakarons, the tall Nakaron, looked like some deformed type creature trying to twist their body. But um, <laughs> eventually the um, Muhas took on their language and they were taught. But they were taught with these special devices so it would make it very easy. They would um, listen just by having what they call is a high pitched sound that has been encoded with the Nakaron language in every meaning. And as they listened to it, they would close their eyes and it would literally penetrate their consciousness. And because the Nakarans explained their language, it was very easy for them to do this several times and they could pick the language up very, very easily, which was good. Wow, yeah. 
I tell you, Michael, you know, when you really begin to understand the real meaning of what living energy is about, not just saying, oh, yeah, I've heard about living energy, but, well, not really. It's it's just a marvel. Every time you take a breath, you're literally breathing in living energy. And if we could learn to harness every breath we take in, we would learn to even raise our kundalini in a much more peaceful, balanced way. Because this energy is power. You you can't buy it, but you can breathe it in. Wow. So I've got a question going back. Um, Robots uh, don't, like, I'm guessing they don't exist because the technology is way far ahead of needing robots. No, they've never really gone into the design of robots to my memory banks. Um, Their technology is very, very advanced. But then again, you could call the little pods robots in a way, I suppose. You know, um, they're, they're connected to massive main computers and whatever is typed in, these things literally lift up from a central area or a hover takes them and goes to a specific area over Nakaros and lets them out and the computer takes over and they literally can go to wherever they're supposed to go and they can turn return back to that destination once they do what they have to do. Sure. Hey, I had this question that I wanted to ask and I want to word it right so that I can get – it's to do with um, – like typing, like you know how you text on your phone or you type on your computer. Um, and so we also have options for, say, talking. Uh, if we talk, it can be picked up by the microphone and the, te- the, te- the typing can be done via speech to text. I'm just wondering, what's it like for them with whatever device they want to put input into, especially in, as it relates to, say, words and stuff? Well, they can, what you just said, they can actually sit in front of a computer and set it where they can like Skype and they don't need a microphone or anything. They can just talk and the voice will come out on the other end. Or they can actually do through a computer as well as mind, they can um, um, like a telecommunication in the sense where it's mind, mind passing from one to the other through a computer and it comes through and it literally through a computer into your mind and you can actually hear the person talking. It's like they're inside your head. And if you wanted to do some kind of search on the, the internet, would you do that with your mind or would you type letters, cat words and then press search or? Depends on what you want to do. If you want to train your mind a lot more, you can do it with your mind. You can literally just mention, like, I can say, um, who is Michael Yon in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. And the computer will go automatically and find it. Wow, because you have the intention for that to go to the computer. Absolutely. And they they don't have servers like we do. You know how we have so many servers? Yeah. They have one mainstream. And it's because it's living energy. It's li- living energy is their um, is their server, by the way. That's how. That's the best way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> the internet is living energy. It's living energy. Wow. They've learned to harness and communicate with it. Uh, I learned 
to communicate it with it back in 1988 when I was going through my horrendous healing and I came across a secret that I've never really shared and I've learned how to communicate with living energy and even your soul. You can communicate directly with your soul through because your soul is living energy, a higher form of consciousness as living energy. You can sit inside your soul, by the way, with the energy all around you and you can talk to your soul and your soul will literally talk back to you. It's not you talking. Your soul is talking to you. Wow, that's deep. That's advanced. Mm. Wow. Well, that's what the Nakarons do. Wow. And they also taught the uh, um, Cadiz um, civilization as well as the Ilias, as well as also the Muhas and a few more different ones. They taught them. They, they taught them how to actually communicate telepathically with your soul. Wow. So, Kentakis, I'm guessing that within this universe, the Nakarons are the most advanced race. Um, if we want to look at an advanced race, are we talking about an entire race of, of a planet or are we talking about one being? I mean, I was... Good, good, good question. I think I mean like a planet, like how conscious they are, how how they are with technology, how they've gotten rid of like certain. There are very few issues when it comes to their physical life now. Um, yeah, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yes, I understand that question now. Okay, to my knowledge, and I'm saying to my knowledge, I would say at this point that. The Nakarons could be one of the oldest races, yes, in existence when it comes to evolution and technology. Mm. Their technology is supreme, that's for sure. Um, they've had a pretty, um, they've had a battle with a lot of different alien, other alien civilizations that have tried in the past, especially the past, to try and break through to their planet to actually take over and uh, steal their technology for evil purposes, you know, domination and control and all that type of stuff. That's why it'd be very hard for humanity to go into deep space and ever find these higher forms of life because humanity has a third dimensional aspect of existence, of understanding. And you can't take third dimensional perspective to a, to a civilization that vibrates at a much higher frequency. Even though they're physical. That's right. Mm. I find that a little hard to get my head around. Mm. I mean, I think I follow yeah. that. Okay, just just this this is one of the most simplest ways, and I and I know you do understand this, but just say if there are some listeners that not really sure in what I mean, and I've said this to you before, radio waves are all set at different peaks, and if you have one radio station, say one hundred two, and you want to communicate with say seven at the same time it's very, very difficult to tune that in because you're on that specific frequency. But 
if you raise that frequency so everyone works on the same frequency, then you can pick up all seven at the same time. They just have to wait their turn to talk. So when we learn to raise our frequency, which is our thought consciousness, we then can see more and we can hear more and we can learn to communicate on a much broader scale. It's like when someone goes to um, a planet and they look at it and they say it's a barren planet. In a lot of situations, that's the truth. But on another level of consciousness, there might be a world existing at, say, an extra 17,000 cycles per second beyond Earth vibration, and they're living in harmony. You can even land on that planet and it's desolate, but the frequency that it's spinning at is different to what Earth is in thought. So, of course, you're not going to be able to communicate or see them. That's even if they're physical? That's even if they're physical. Okay, yeah, wow. They're, yeah, look, parallel worlds, they're existing right here, right now, within our vibration. Yeah. But they all vibrate at a different frequency. You, you turn the dial on a radio, you get 104.7 or whatever it is. You want to get, say, 109. Well, you're not going to get 109 or 107, so you dial up and you suddenly hit 109, and you can hear what they're saying. That's what I mean about frequencies, different levels of communication. Yeah, and that's, to me, I think the thing that was getting me is it's even it's, it's even different frequencies that are still technically physical. Yeah, but we're looking at it from an earthly, third-dimensional perspective. That's why we, we're not fully comprehending that it's possible to have seven worlds vibrating all around planet Earth at different frequencies. I visit those worlds. I have been visiting those worlds for the last probably seven years, probably actually longer. And I've learned to understand that we actually do have what is called parallel worlds. And they do exist. And if we learn to raise our vibration, we can actually catch glimpses of their world it's like a door opens and you suddenly look and you're seeing something totally different and then suddenly it's gone that's having fractions in time where two vibrations come together for that moment or two and vibrate at a balanced level and that doesn't happen a lot wow on Earth, like, uh, there's a lot of uh, time and money and stuff that goes into stuff we see on the TV, like movies, series, acting, celebrities who have acted lots. I just was wondering, and I, I think you've kind of already uh, explained that it wouldn't be the case, but is there such a thing as, like, actors, fiction, movies? Uh, I mean, because they have drama, and that's not really a part of Nakara's. No, no, no. They don't create. Um, they don't create what we create here on Earth, where we have actors and movies and all that type of thing. It's it's not a part of um, their culture. But what they do have, they create theaters. They 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 actually do like theater. 
And theatre places are not like here on Earth. They're huge. We're like 50,000 people. 50,000 Nicarons can go, even even 100,000 in some cities can actually go and sit in this massive auditorium and all the seats go up on angles and you can look down onto this huge, massive stage and they have technology that creates all their down drops. You know what they call them? Drop, um, backdrops, that's right. They can create through their technology with holograms and all that type of stuff. And they can even use holograms to actually play out the theatre. They have a lot of comedy. They love comedy. Oh, they do. Yes, they love comedy because they love to laugh. And they create these holograms which are you know, created um, through technology. And they can create these holograms that look just like a real person. That's why I created Angelo um, out of living energy in my books, because I know of the technology, so I thought I might as well use it and create, giving life to, say, someone like Nikola Tesla. Yeah. So, like, there's comedy. Like, there could be, like, stand-up comedy. I listen to quite a bit of that at the moment. And, and also, what kind of theatre do they do? they just speak with a crowd or do they literally act out some kind of scenario? Or Oh, yeah, yeah. Nakarons like to actually act out sometimes and they do do that. They all volunteer to do it. Then they're given um, um, what they call a little device that they learn from to be that, to be that say, actor expressing those words. And they do it actually very well. They even dress up for the occasion. And that's quite common because it's fun. They love doing it. And children go along to these things because children love it. See, they don't have um, pubs and that where you can, you know, drink alcohol while you're going to watch theatre or things like that. They don't They don't have alcohol or they don't need um, a substance that takes away their power. Or alters their, their state. Alters their consciousness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They don't need that. Yeah. This concludes part three of Planet Nicaris. If you have any questions or for any reason would like to contact Kentakis, including to book some time with him, simply email kentakis at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next part.